how how is it? It's good, and I don't usually like mustard, so like I'm pretty impressed. Um, but yeah, still sad that the sweet chili sauce was not included. Is it cultural appropriation on the part of South Korea <laughs> to include Cajun mustard sauce? You know what? Hold your answer on that. Absolutely. We're going to save that for the entire two-hour episode that we're just going to do. We're just going to discuss this in depth, all the ins and outs. Dude, why not? <laughs> Mechanical Freak Podcast. The future is now. <laughs> or something. I'm Greg. I'm here with Cassidy. And Brian. <laughs> yep. Uh, no Colin today. Can you tell? <laughs> I think it's pretty yeah. obvious to everyone. Yeah. And Munya is in the middle of his move. Safe travels, Munya and Colin. Colin's on the road too. Actually, he's doing like eight-hour yeah. days on the road. Yeah, oh, yeah. Munya is lost deep in the forbidden zone. <laughs> Maybe never to be heard from again. <laughs> if we see him yeah. again, he will be more powerful well, than we could even imagine. They drove right past the scarecrows. <laughs> um, the hello. This is a podcast. Okay, <laughs> I've already done that part about Man, hating have, the city we love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this Something is like that. It's like a radio show, but for the internet. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, I'm out of it, guys. Have I mentioned <laughs> that I worked all week? Yeah. Yeah. Greg worked five days, and you know, in a row, five days in a row. Yeah, that means he started on wow. Monday. Wow. Correct. Correct. He then moved on to Tuesday. Yes. Wednesday usually follows. Yes, I worked Wednesday. Then you popped in for a bit on Thursday. A whole twelve hours. And then capped it off with a Friday work Also day. 12 hours. So, Cassidy, I have this question for you. <laughs> yeah. Is this legal under union law to have to go in Monday through Friday to work? Ooh, ooh. Well, see, Greg refuses to fill out his union paperwork, so we'll never know. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> Circle of trust. <laughs> We've, we talked about this on the podcast. I'm like 95% sure. But it's that I'm too lazy to join a medieval trade guild. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Greg takes wrong. the same advanced. I mean. Yeah, Greg takes the same advanced position towards the unions that uh, certain intercept journalists do. So. <laughs> this that was so I last I last worked on Friday. It's now Tuesday evening. I still am wrecked. Like it takes me. It's been so long since I've really done real jobs, but it does take me like fully twice as long as I worked to recover from my work hangover. (laughs) (laughs) So like Mm -hmm. I worked five days, it's going to be 10 days before I'm feeling like fit again, you know? Well, and also Mercury is in retrograde. So like you're just Mm -hmm. doubly fucked too. I'm just glad I got my shot, (laughs) even my second shot. Like when I was like at peak performance, you know, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. if I got it now, it might take me out. My body's weak from working. Well, Greg hilariously before the show even started got an offer for work. If you okay, oh, first no. off, if you if you work for Washington Unemployment, turn the show <laughs> off now. All right. No, 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 no. Hey, I I I am fulfilling my obligation. I didn't turn down that job. So, Greg, I expressed to you 
my extreme uh, annoyance at being offered a job yeah. for this week and my sincere hope that it is ultimately not offered to me officially uh, because I will <laughs> not turn it down if it does come through. Somebody texted me without inch. First of all, I mean, this is look, this would be absurd for any other job for my job. It's just really un unprofessional, but is kind of how it works. Like someone's just going to text you to see if you're available, but if they don't know you in fucking introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, and tell me who sure. you are and probably if i don't know you tell me who the fuck how the fuck you got my name like drop a name or something even if i'm i, I didn't he, yeah what if it was so like a fishing said, scam we don't know like no it's just like i don't like <laughs> i don't tell people i'm available to work on thursday on just that right you know, like yeah. without them introducing yeah. themselves i'm sorry mm -hmm. um that's part of like the sort of management logic of this this business is like i uh, I'm reaching out to you to offer you a job. You should come s just slobbering back at me like totally. desperate for work. And yeah. it's like, excuse me, you're going to have to go through all the motions with me. Um, mm -hmm. And it's also I'm being offered like the lowest like work that I do, the lowest paying like work, lowest skill level work that I do because my name still gets passed around for that shit. And Oh, and the guy, the guy's also like lowballing the rate and is like, now he at least to, to credit to his professionalism right in the first text announced the rate mm -hmm. and the fact that some people will leave out when they're trying to screw you on this. The fact that it's on an invoice 1099 shit instead mm -hmm. of an, as an employee, which is just, you know, it's very common in, in this part of the business, but it's like, it is totally illegal. I mean, it is misclassification. Oh, totally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, like, if and, you're going to get fucked, you at least want to know about it. And the yeah. tax burden to you. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so, there's, Sounds like, familiar. The rate plus that. And I'm like, wait a minute. So, so I'm like, well, I've got this guy right where I want him. And so, first, I just said, who dis? And <laughs> when he, you know, then he gave his name, who... Who, who he got my name from and what job it was from. Don't recognize that person either, but at least it's a, it's a, it's a paper trail. And mm -hmm. then uh, I responded, I'll do it for 150% of what you said and expecting, okay, well, we'll let you know and never hearing from him again. I instead got, let me talk to the producer and get back to you in the morning. What okay. the fuck? I might actually get offered this job. I am wow. not ready to work again. <laughs> I just worked uh, 60 grueling hours last week. Wow. You need to start negotiating 250%, well, bro. My fuck. This one of my career is a <laughs> joke because I'm not psycho enough to actually do this like grind, rise and grind hustle shit <laughs> like regular to like really do this. But it's what it takes in this business. And that's why I like barely ever work. Yeah. Because I can't. I'm, you know. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> okay quick question for well, like me and the listeners like so if someone offers you a 1099 quote-unquote job though like do you get to say no to that because that's not a real job you know what i yeah, mean um, like for unemployment, for, for unemployment. Just, just something to think that's about yeah you know what i mean because like if you're being offered a 1099 that's not really being offered a job i mean it is but you know it's not being yeah, offered I mean, employment uh, 
Yeah. So, someone offering you one day of a job on a time card is also not really offering you a job. Yeah. Right. Who knows? Exactly. I would say for the listeners, yeah. I would say play it safe. And, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was just curious. Don't get yourself into that position in the first well, place well, so, if you're trying to not get kicked off unemployment. Yeah, do not follow Greg's career path as the actual answer here. <laughs> but the, the other thing is that it is... Do follow my unemployment advice, which is don't ever turn down work. Work on not getting offered jobs you yeah, don't want right. to do. Totally, totally, totally. Which for most yeah. people is a lot easier than it is for me, a guy who just gets fucking text messages from people they don't know out of nowhere to do fucking work. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. No, just like that's, I mean, yeah, we've talked about this, but with the PRO Act, with like for campaign workers, like a huge thing is misclassification, 1099, all that stuff. So. Just, you know, if they're going to fuck you, like, it just seems like you should be allowed to say no, but I guess not. Yeah, yeah indeed. Uh, and it is technically personal employment or whatever, like self-employment. So you could just say mm-hmm. that you never offered yourself the job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there yep. probably is a way to get out of that. Yes. Um, if yeah. you were ever found out, you know. Anyways. But, um, as a general policy, um, they will kick you off unemployment if they can so uh so you know funny enough we are talking labor stories today now uh we've talked a lot on this show about uh organizing campaign workers because cassidy that's uh your life's work and passion apparently yes it is sadly (laughs) you are the president of a union that is organizing campaign workers in the Pacific Northwest. And we've heard a lot from you about doing that, about various uh, campaign labor struggles, uh, campaign working environments, campaign, uh, you know, abuse. Um, We've talked on the Patreon behind the paywall about your uh, story of organizing on the Bernie campaign in Iowa. Something mm-hmm. that has not been widely reported about till uh, today. Until today, and this is um, we are going to actually that came out a couple of months ago. We are actually going to because this is coming out, it's going wide, it's being reported widely now. Um, we are going Ryan to Grimm release claiming that. he has the exclusive. No, Mechanical Freak had the exclusive. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Behind the paywall, just like the New York fucking Times. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So um, we are going to put that out and uh, you should go listen to that. This is the full inside story of what is now being widely reported on the Hill by at the Hill, the the, the stupid D.C. publication mm. by Ryan Grimm uh, is a story of uh you know, organizing on the campaign in Iowa that Cassidy was involved in uh, with some other people, which I was witness to. But you can learn all about that (laughs) on that episode, which we're going to put out. Now, this is all coming up today because of the apparent implosion of the Diane Morales uh, mayoral campaign in New York. Um, Cassidy, you've been following that story a little bit. Uh, Can you get us up to speed on who the hell that is why she sucks um what's going on there yeah you know so very similar to like the mayoral um 
race and landscape here in Seattle where just like no one that great is running. Um, the same thing basically happened in New York. Um, and so because of that, you know, no one who's this really is like the Democratic primary. The Right. You got it. And so uh, their election, I think, is like June 22nd. So it's coming up. And, you know, Yang is running. A couple other people are running, <laughs> but most of them are center or like to the right. Um, and so this candidate, Diane Morales, she um, came up and basically you know, her website has a really great platform about, you know, housing for all, defunding the police by 50%, um, you know, just all those really great talking points that you hear from leftist candidates. Um, but the reality is, is, you know, she was a nonprofit executive. Um, she was actually barred Ooh. from, she was actually barred from employment, um, like with the city of New York because she had bribed, someone about a water bill for one of the buildings that she managed as a landlord. Um, okay. I was on her side for a second. Yeah. No, as a land, as a landlord. Yeah. Um, so basically being a landlord, she, (laughs) she like, she offered to pay the person $300 to like pretend it didn't happen. And then like, she lied about it. She lied about it again. And then like, I guess that she applied, I can't remember if she applied to be on Bloomberg or to Blasio's, uh, like staff, um, to be Mm -hmm. their diversity, equity and inclusion person. And, um, yeah, like through that, they like pulled all this I think it was Bloomberg too. Um, And so, yeah, like from that, they determined like she has to be barred from employment with them. Um, A bunch of other stuff too. She's been like a supporter of charter schools, all this shit. Um, But basically she saw an opportunity um, just as a capitalist does. She saw an opportunity in the market. She voted for Cuomo. um, She voted for Cuomo. Yeah. Garbage. Um, and so, yeah, she put together a decent platform on her website without having any background in activism or in, you know, any of this sort of stuff. Sounding um, like connection to the community except for uh, owning their homes. <laughs> <laughs> the landlords are uh, an integral part of any community. Yeah. So so basically, like, uh, you know, say, putting up the good headlines on some, like, you know, main sort of left important issues to people that are active, you know, activating people on the sort of leftmost edge of the Democratic primary base. Um, but uh, basically another sort of neoliberal suit. Yeah. yeah and, no you know, she Seattle. again, big. <laughs> right. No, but you know, because someone as terrible yeah, as fucking a- Andrew Yang is running, like people, you know, young organizers, leftists, like they wanted to get excited about somebody. And so when you see this platform that talks about yeah. defunding the police by 50%, you know, a lot of people are like, hey, like obviously I'm going to fucking support this candidate over all these other pieces of shit. Um, and so and she who, hired a lot of. Yeah. And so a lot of young organizers, um, you know, DSA organizers, uh, people like that, they joined the campaign in good faith, you know, whether they knew about her background or not. Obviously, I can't speak to that, but they thought that this candidate really wanted to, you know, make a difference. And the reality is, is that just wasn't true. Um, They just adopted uh, you know, slogans and words and, uh, you know, bullet points, but they 
ended up treating their staff like shit. There was a lot of like complaints about like racial aggressions, um, underpaying staff, overworking them, like things that sadly happen a lot of the time on the campaigns that we work on. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's just things like in the past like week or so really, really fucking hit like shit hit the fan really bad because um, when the workers decided to form a union, which, you know, we can talk about like the strategy and that and, um, you know, whether the timing and all of that, like whether that's really effective. But the reality is, is like if workers are saying they're um, having like a toxic work environment, like we need to support that um, and we need to support like their demands. Um, But yeah, in the past week, she has fired four uh, of the union organizers, um, has refused to come to the table, basically has been putting out language saying that, well, my, my parents, they were union, uh, supporters. And so like, it's in my blood. I would never do that. And it's just like, bitch, fuck off. Like you're, it's literally, it's, it's, <laughs> Didn't it's she, boss language. Was like, just yeah, my, my parents were union organizers and, uh, I was, I, and I managed, managed a union uh, I managed a real, <laughs> a real, no, she said I managed a real union shop, which is basically saying that her staffers aren't part of a real union. Um, well, also it's like saying so yeah, like, it's I just, managed union workers is like, yeah, that doesn't, that, yeah, so, cool. oh, so I was you, the boss. Yeah. You, I was management <laughs> so you were the and bad I embittered to the demands of, of, yeah. uh, the labor movement. Yeah. 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 What so I think, basically, yeah. she ended up being a joke. Um, it's sad mm. for the workers. It's sad that New York is going to get a, a shitty mayor, no matter how you look at it. Um, so yeah, it's just a bummer. So well, yeah, we, so we should point cool. out too that she was not in the running for this race. Yeah, no, a distant fifth at best. Um, oh, you know. Well, and I've been I saying mean, for weeks, <laughs> like. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and hopefully at some point we can get because I have friends who are on the campaign and, you know, once this is all said and done, maybe we can hear their side of the story. Um, But yeah, like I have been seeing this campaign, like I've been watching it for a couple months because I do have those connections. And despite these organizers best efforts, it's just there was there was no chance that Diane was ever going to win. I mean, they they had barely even started knocking doors. I mean, she just, she hadn't made an impact in her community again, because she wasn't really part of the community. She just came in and had this great platform. So yeah, there's a number of things going on here. You've got, again, just the headline bullet point platform is good, brings people in, but you've got a shitty empty suit Mm -hmm. careerist neoliberal candidate who Mm -hmm. also sucks like at being a candidate uh and you know it's not not really bringing anything to else to the table not like you know charisma or like knowing how to like uh (laughs) win a fucking campaign for mayor uh sounds like from the stuff we do know that has come publicly it hints at just the campaign being a shambles on a lot of levels um obviously she was going nowhere in the polls this was nothing um not gonna happen and then you have this um also, the sort of what's coming, the little bits we know are coming out are these camp complaints from campaign workers uh, that led them to uh, to bring up a lot of issues with the campaign and with the candidate that were, it seems, basically rebuffed to the point where they decided to do a union drive like 
uh, four weeks out from the primary election. Now, this is mm-hmm. something that a lot of the coverage of this is really sticking on. And I think we want to really drill down on this because there is, I think I've heard from some like good faith places, people on the left, honestly asking like, is it really okay to be unionizing a progressive campaign in such a way that damages the campaign? Like, should you really be sacrificing yourself instead thinking of this like altruistically? That's like a whole, I know we have a take on that Cassidy. I certainly know you do, but that's like a whole question we should get into and like really addressing that. Cause I think people who are not, um, who just don't have the context, who haven't had it like sold to them in the right way, who haven't thought about this in the past are, are asking that some people from a good faith place, but this What's going on here is this is being used as like kind of a very unsympathetic potential example because. um, Right. And so I think we can because it does sound weird that they they went to organize like do a union drive four weeks before the primary. Like on some level, you could make an argument without any other context to what was going on that that is kind of a bad faith position. Now, there's other stuff going on here that we don't know about, only a little bit of which is public. And ultimately, like, I'm still going to be on the workers' side because I'm, I, I for, for me, if, if, what, because what people are accusing them of basically is like, well, this campaign's imploding and they're pissed and they're just trying to get their money and get out. And before the primary and it's like, yeah, dude, that sounds that good. I mean, this campaign was a joke. They were treated like shit and they're trying to make sure they get paid before the end. That's fine. Like, that's cool. Um, but you can but I but it's being used because it's being done in the form of this. And the story is like a union drive a month before the primary. It's being used as a way to tarnish like the idea of unionizing left-wing campaigns if that makes yeah. sense well and i think we want to be clear about a couple of things going into this right which is diana morales was losing before this union organizing drive yeah began. Way before. Yep. never gonna happen was yeah losing badly. these workers these workers did not torpedo this campaign because this was already yeah. a yeah, failing campaign bullshit. and like yeah. i was making hot takes about this campaign and how it was gonna fucking fail before i knew about any of this internal labor dispute bullshit just on yeah. the surface yeah. level that they weren't talking to people you know, like they weren't yeah, the, making positive IDs. Yeah. They weren't like going out into communities and neighborhoods. Like, so yeah, you told us, you told me a bunch of technical jargon that went, that I ignored <laughs> about how much that campaign yeah. sucked. And I was like, yeah, Cassidy, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's the New York mass yeah. race. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the, the thing is, is yeah, we don't pay attention to things in flyover country. But the thing is, is that, <laughs> you know, this campaign was taking tanking before and it was tanking because of the campaign strategy it has nothing to do with labor organized on the campaign yes. or anything like that. And no. I think the other thing to keep keep in mind, too, is who's creating this narrative, right? And how do union organizing yeah. narratives always get sold to you in the media, which is, oh, those teachers, they're going to go on strike right in the first week of school. I mean, do they just hate children how that selfish. much? I mean, this is, yeah, how some those nurses yeah. are going to go on strike when there's some sort, and it's like, 
Yeah, I wonder if there was something that happened before, before that. This, it's yeah. literally the the Hamas rockets. Exactly. Story. Like, can you believe Hamas no, fired like, rockets into Israel? It's like, did something happen before that moment that might have led this, to this situation? This is how. You, this is like, yeah, this is propaganda one hundred and one. You control the fucking timeline. It starts when the when bosses want it. want it to. You know. Um. So like, this is all you can imagine. Like, people don't suddenly start to organize their campaign a month out when they haven't fucking tried other methods methods of redress and when they haven't like lost all hope for anything good okay on yeah. this campaign no the fact it's just like do you think that they just decided to like form a union and go public for funsies and like you know yeah. not get paid anymore for fun like for brand building it's like no like it's because uh, it was that fucking bad like okay so that brings us to uh Ryan Grimm uh erstwhile possibly still investigative reporter at the intercept most importantly warren or liz lad yeah um let's not forget a snake in the fucking grass um (laughs) got you know like god this comes up a lot reporter who sometimes does good work who is also an annoying idiot on twitter says a lot of dumbass (laughs) things and now somehow i've had the misfortune of learning He is taken over as one of the new hosts of this uh, trashy DC publication. The Hill has some online fucking like public access ass show where two like like a a a lefty and a conservative like Combs. Yeah, they do Hannity and Combs, sir. I've seen. Sean Hannity and you, sir, are no Sean Hannity. (laughs) Um, It was so bad. Yeah. Dude, oh my god. So this is apparently his first day. And like, for those of you who've just seen like a tiny avatar on Twitter or something, let me just describe to you that Ryan Grimm looks like a Cronenberg character. Okay? (laughs) More specifically, he looks like uh, the the last frame, like if you somehow isolated the single frame of film just after it cuts away from the human actor, (laughs) the, the, the only frame of film that's on the uh, pallid pink latex dummy head flesh lump with a wig that's <laughs> packed with explosives before it erupts in a volcano of gore. That like one frame is what Ryan Grimm looks like. And uh, um, he has a, the charisma uh, and sort of uh, stage presence and delivery of like a gaping hole in the ground. Um <laughs> Uh, so he why he is doing this a job that frankly is like shows like this where people like talk you know uh like to banter back and forth about issues of the day really shouldn't exist and they shouldn't exist certainly in filmed form like it, they're doing like this like it's you know it's a morning show it's a morning show or it's like oh yeah it's called rising so if they're doing this like it's for uh, it's for bimbos okay bimbos should do this job whatever variety of idiot ryan grimm is it's not wrong that man. it's the wrong type of idiot like uh, why he's even attempting to do this terrible job well, at this the set looks so <laughs> shitty and ryan grimm and his female co-host who probably isn't that much younger than him but looks like 50 years younger than him i was like yeah. this looks like those morning i was like it looks like a morning announcement show that you would get in like <laughs> high school where it's like the media teacher and the student he's fucking <laughs> like, it is oh my god awful. it is awful it's <laughs> awful to look at it's awful to watch but 
it turns out the worst thing about it is uh, listening to the it. content <laughs> is actually worse than the presentation. Um, so, and can I just okay, say, so like, wh- I was sent this, I was sent this by like multiple people while I was fucking driving, and like, it just why, like, why did this have to happen? <laughs> So basically, he opens up the segment talking about the Diane Morales campaign and how, yeah, Mm -hmm. she's a terrible candidate. Never going to happen. Shouldn't be anywhere near the mayor's office. Absolute joke. But it is absolutely insane. Uses the word insane. The wildest part of all of this is that you'll get shouted down if you say on social media, as I did, that marching on your own campaign office and beginning to form a union four weeks before an election is completely and utterly absurd and does nothing to help workers. It's crazy. And the fact that people refuse to call it crazy is even crazier. Now, look, I get that the Morales campaign is not much of a hill to die on. Despite having the backing of the Working Families Party and other lefty groups, it turns out she spent much of her career in the charter school movement and last February wouldn't even call herself a progressive, saying she might actually have voted for Cuomo. That her campaign, her entitled little, uh, you know, faux socialist shits on her campaign. All those limousine campaign staffers. Are organizing a union four weeks out and goes on to say, like, this is just, you know... If you're working on a campaign to elect, you know, a left uh, candidate, like you're doing something for the greater good, you know, like you need to take yourself out of it. This isn't about you, blah, blah, blah. Again, like a shitty candidate that sucked and wasn't ever going to happen. But um, but because he senses he's not making his point this way, because, again, she sucks and everyone thinks she's a joke. And it's only more clear as this is breaking that she's a joke. Um. He's like, well, if this doesn't convince you, let me tell you about a story that hasn't been reported yet on the Bernie campaign. On top of all that, she has clearly badly mishandled the staff situation. She shouldn't be anywhere near the mayor's office. But that doesn't mean that what's going on in her campaign is any less insane. If you need a better example, take Bernie Sanders. The story I'm about to tell, the story I'm about to tell you hasn't been reported before. Heading into the 2020 Iowa caucuses, the Sanders campaign hired scores of new canvassers to try to drag out as many voters as they could to the caucuses. In a low turnout affair like that, just a few people can tip a precinct in your direction. Some of the staff started complaining about the hours. Some complained about the pay. And that's very key (sighs) here because this hasn't been reported yet. Ryan Grimm, probably other people, have been sitting on this story. He has. Waiting for a time. Mm -hmm. Waiting for a time when it makes sense and there's a way to spin it. And this this very unsympathetic way to spin what's happening on the Diane Morales campaign gives him the perfect entree to spinning what happened on the Bernie campaign in Iowa in the most negative way possible. Yeah. And so let's play a clip. And some complained about the hierarchical nature of the campaign. They wanted a bottom-up revolution. They didn't want to be told by campaign headquarters how to do their jobs. And most (laughs) importantly, they wanted days off in January, just weeks before the caucus. And so they started organizing. Not organizing voters to come to the caucus, but organizing among themselves to get time off and to redress those other grievances. If you're joining a political campaign or a social justice organization (laughs) for your own self-actualization as part of your own personal journey, as some brand building exercise, you're doing it wrong. 
do something else. <laughs> Become an artist, a designer, a writer, a woodworker, Podcaster. something else. Okay, so just like li- hearing that grim. makes my blood pressure go up so much. Oh my god. <laughs> it's really pretty disgusting because it's, disgusting. it's basically using this opportunity of the all the stories going around about what a mess the Diane Morales campaign and showing how it is being blown up. Even though he's saying like, well, it wasn't really. I mean, it was already. She sucks, but <laughs> to as a way to sort of tarnish what happened on the to sort of smear what happened on the Bernie campaign. Now, if you've heard the Patreon episode, and we encourage you to listen to it, um, you know, you know that that's uh, that's not what happened. So, Cassidy, when he says, "Well, they wanted higher pay." Uh, better hours. Um, well, and more importantly, days, days off. off. What, Cassie? You're one. You, like you're one of the lazy bones yep. that he's talking yep. about. And what is with this? You just want to show up late, clock in at noon, clock out at two, and take uh, the rest of the week off, right? So, <sighs> what's the deal with all this time off? You want? Don't you know true Americans work five days a week? Oh my god! So. Yeah, like that comment about days off, like that, that looped me into the fact that like he has no idea what he's talking about because our fight was not about days off. Now there was, there was one specific thing that like office organizers were literally expected to work 14 days in a row without a day off. Um, So we encouraged them to do a sick out. They took a day off so that they could have it because it wasn't going to be given to them. And that was it. Um, But all of our other struggles, like it was about like we were down to fucking work 80 hours a week. Like I would work 90 hours a week if I had to, but I just wanted to get paid for those hours. Like that was literally it. (laughs) Um, we were getting paid like $11 an hour during caucus week, even though publicly Mm -hmm. Bernie publicly Bernie committed to paying his staff $15 an hour, no matter what. Um, and very key here, very key. A, the staff had been unionized and a contract, a CBA it was signed in our collective bargaining months agreement. months earlier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Months and months earlier that this was already organized. June 2019. to it. Yeah. And campaigned on it publicly. Yep. Said yeah. publicly, $15 yep. an hour on our campaign. First unionized presidential campaign. Yep. And then they turned around and said, but we're not really going to do that. What? So that's a key to understanding this. Like we talked about this a lot on the episode with you. That we're talking about a fucking small amount of money here. It's we're so talking small. about yeah. Just they're talking about the what Bernie rec- wants to recognize. What he kept saying in his campaign, he wanted to be the minimum wage in America, and that was what the union had bargained for. That's what he was campaigning on. This is the bare minimum to keep people alive. Yep. Okay, to keep to make this possible when you're asking. A ton of people to come. People and then who quit their jobs, left outside. their families. Like, mm-hmm. you know, they were told. Drove across the country unpaid. And here's the thing. We were told that we would never work more than 52 hours a week and that we would get paid X amount. But but then they changed that and they changed that against the CBA. They said that, well, because of the nature of campaign work, you have to work 70 hours or 72 hours or whatever it was. And the problem like 
which I don't, which you guys were fine which with. Which we were fine with. But the problem is that if you're work if you're working GOTV in Iowa and then you go to Nevada and then you go to California, you are constantly being paid eleven dollars an it's hour. For the rest of the year. For the rest, for of, the the rest year. of the year, you're not making fifteen dollars an hour. During the and time really, that you are working it the hardest. Even been for one. Yeah. Well, when I think let's let's and let's step back just one second. Yeah, There's yeah. the extra clear for everybody listening to this, right? So Grimm focuses a lot on this time off thing. And I just want to talk about the framing, right? So he says, you know, all oh, that he says over and over again, they just wanted days off. They wanted time off and all this kind of stuff. But how would that framing be different if he said workers who had worked 14 days straight, you know, 10, 12 hour days wanted to have a day a off? A day off that we, you know, how would that framing be different if he was that like, we were, you know, people had worked seven. A day off that we were guaranteed in our guaranteed. contract, we were guaranteed one blackout day a week and to never yeah. work more than six days straight. Like we weren't trying to push for things out of nowhere. Like these were things that were, we bargained for. So what I, and also I think, Two, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, there's two reasons why Ryan doesn't frame it in this way. One is he's a bona fide Liz lad that's telling the story like seventh hand, right? Yeah. The other thing that's happening is not if he first hand like us. If he said it, not first hand like us, but if he said it like we're saying it, all of a sudden it's not this, oh, crime against humanity of these lazy bones workers or whatever. All of a sudden it sounds like a perfectly reasonable request. I think if yeah. you explain to anybody in America, like, Hey, in their contract, they said they would work six days a week and were guaranteed one of those days off. Like God, they would even God got to rest on the seventh day. Yeah. Right? And apparently, you know, the campaign decided, no, fuck that. Actually, 14 days straight, you know, and then maybe we'll think about giving you a time off, but also probably not. And, you know, you talk about in the episode, you're driving long distances because it's not like Iowa's a, you know, tightly controlled population. So you're driving long distances. Nobody's taking any time off. And it's like that is it is all a of a safety sudden concern. a story that's a lot less yeah. sympathetic for the bosses. Yeah, no, it, yeah, it, and also just an unreasonable ask. No, it was a safety concern because like people were literally talking about how they were falling asleep at the wheel, and they're like, "Do I pull over yeah. or do I work?" Like that was a legitimate concern. And so when we're talking about days off, like we're talking about making mm-hmm. like. Yes, this is about making sure that the workers got what they bargained for, but also like in the end, what it was very much about, and we always stuck to this, was that there is no way Bernie can win if your fucking field staffer is falling asleep at the wheel. You know, what if something like that happened? Yeah. That wouldn't fucking look good yeah. for the campaign. Do you know what I mean? Or it's yeah. just like, and they, instead of thinking about it in terms of like, not only the right thing to do, but just like, they literally could have made this entire problem go away by just paying people what Doing they said it. they were going to pay them, giving them the days off that they said they were going to give them and treating people like fucking humans. Like we were literally, we were so- literally told by the campaign manager Faz, like, sorry guys you're gonna have to work now and sleep later like that's (laughs) yeah yeah and so and i think this is the key about how this is going to get framed now from here on out now ryan's certainly framing it is they're going to hide these things because this makes you all look very reasonable so they just don't tell people it right and it's the same thing about the pay like oh they wanted higher pay so in people's minds like oh these guys they're just in it for the money right to get reality is again yeah, as as you've expressed, right? We're talking about a contract that said was going to be fifteen dollars an hour. A candidate who was telling the public that he's going to pay his staff fifteen dollars an hour, who literally wasn't. It was paying them eleven dollars an hour, which again is 
a real fuck you because we're not talking a lot of money and we're talking a campaign that had the money to spend a campaign that when it's you know paid staff from dc fucking tanked mm-hmm. and drove it into the ground yes. had millions upon millions of dollars in its war chest still. Well, here's here's the Could thing have paid they, we're talking yeah. about staffers who uh were committed to this campaign and assuming that they were going to get passed on to the next state after iowa then the next state after that and are looking ahead at working for the rest of the year through november for eleven dollars an hour instead of 15 with no days off driving immediately the day after their caucus to the next state 48 no days hours off to get because there of this, yep. uh 48 hour uh or this um the two week before caucus schedule Mm -hmm. that they were going to go in they were looking ahead at this disaster looming what they didn't know is that the campaign either already or be or possibly encouraged by the labor organizing had decided to do away with the idea of campaign staffers altogether i mean what we know is yeah the campaign had the money they could have made it go away 32 million dollars in january like it's stupid jesus yeah Yeah. like it's being framed like you guys are a bunch of fucking grifters who are out <laughs> either for the money or for your own like social media brands or something. Mm-hmm. And the fucking grifters are the campaign consultant class who were withholding that fucking money and deploying yep. union busting management fucking logic and tactics to justify withholding that money to pay themselves out in the form of their fees and the fucking media buys, which is what the campaign relied on for the rest of its fucking disastrous run. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think it's worth noting that, I mean, Grimm goes on and on about how uh, people trying to union organize is what uh, killed the Bernie campaign. He has this incredibly like he, he repeatedly comment. says, you know, if you, it's one thing he goes on this whole thing about like, yeah, you know what? Tra- campaign workers should be treated well and with dignity and get paid enough. And it's like that's all they were asking for. But, you know, in theory, but to blow up your campaign How he just keeps you? using the phrase blow yeah. up the Torpedo. campaign which is his way of yeah. tying the diane morales shit about like yeah. this campaign that has fallen apart in in coincidence with this organizing campaign four weeks out from its primary uh which is a very different scenario with something that just did is something that just did not happen okay there was no blowing up the bernie campaign there was tough organizing and it comes back to what i have said all along about that and on our show that we did is that if you are going to run insurgent left-wing openly socialist campaigns and ask the fucking young reds of the (laughs) fucking nation to come out and work for you motherfucker you are going to have to treat them well because they are fucking woke they are begging desperate for an american working class to come into its own self-consciousness that's who the fuck we're talking about they are going to fucking organize you're gonna have to pay them at least minimum wage and you're not gonna be able to fuck them on the negotiated uh cba yeah as i say treat them well is like an overstatement well, yeah, way over, working yeah. Six days a week for $15 an hour. Yeah. That's not being treated well. That's, no, that's, that's, like, that's, like that's Again, we're talking treating about the bare minimum. small amount yeah. of money. Yeah. No, we're talking about an extra the, $4 what, an hour for a couple this. hours a week. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, and, just, and so to get back to, to Grimm here, right, you know, he does this incredibly duplicitous thing. Where he says, you know, had a few more people shown up in a few more caucuses saying that you guys were busy fucking off instead of talking to people. Uh, Bernie might have won the popular vote, 
and the delegates from Iowa. And the thing that's funny about this is, you know, he creates these two classes, right? There's the the lower level organizers who killed Bernie literally by trying to get paid the amount that he claimed to pay them. And then the senior level campaign organizers who stepped in to save the day. The funny part being Bernie won Iowa. Bernie won Nevada with a very similar, you know, group mm-hmm. of campaigners. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you do in all those other states that all the were senior they, campaigners were in charge got it. Yeah, yeah, where they didn't have the, the big ground game. They were paying $11 an hour. They just had the consultants doing ad buys. I mean, this is what's infuriating about this is you completely leave out the actual uh, – because why get into the actual results of anything, right? Just leave it by the wayside. Well, listen, yeah. as, a, as a snake, <laughs> he's practiced at just completely forgetting about the actual results of that primary. No, and I just want to say – try to, try to tell a Warren supporter about uh, how Warren did in Massachusetts oh and see what happens. No, but I just want to say like that was like – that fucking made me so mad that he tried. He basically implied that, like, because we were organizing with our union, that we weren't working. Um, and Greg can attest to this. Like, I was fucking again. I was complete horseshit. Leaving my house at six in the morning to go to my turf, driving two hours, working fucking twelve hour days, driving two hours home, and then guess what? At eleven forty five at night, we were having fucking shop steward meetings in my kitchen. Like, we weren't doing it during work. Like, it. We never stopped knocking doors. We never. The only thing we ever discussed doing was we discussed that like we would perhaps stop submitting data to management and so we would still knock doors we were like we're gonna take Mm -hmm. pictures of us knocking doors we're gonna like make sure people know but we were just gonna use paperless instead of minivan um basically just to be like hey like we still want bernie to win Mm -hmm. but like we're not gonna fucking give you what you want unless you give us what we want um so yeah just like for him to try to imply that like because you're organizing internally doesn't mean you're like that we would have like talked to more people if we weren't fucking organizing uh, our union. Like, fuck you, dude. I think it's worth pointing out that you make the case and you're, you know, retelling of what happened on the campaign that, and I think it's, you you make the case, I think it's, I, I believe it, right? That the people who were trying this union organized drive were also the people that were saying, hey, we need to be out knocking on doors. We need to be out actually talking to yes, people in all these other exactly. states. Well, this is what and it was this, as, and it was the senior leadership who refused to do that. Who said, no, actually it's all about media buys. Yep. It's all about just TV ads. And we actually don't need people on the ground. And I'm sorry, but like there was a lot of, you know, there was a lot of potential hazards for the Bernie campaign, but I think that what actually happened, what killed it was exactly that, that the yeah. same DC dumbasses who fucking, you know, run every campaign did what they always do, which is they stopped organizing on the ground and they just did media buys. And it turns out that doesn't actually fucking work. Yep. Well, he's I think the way he, he frames it like this, they wanted a bottom up revolution. They didn't want to be told by campaign headquarters <laughs> how to do their jobs. And it's yeah. like and it's like yeah. what he's referring to the same Democratic campaigners like campaign heads, you know, heads or whatever, who were so successful in 2016, yeah. who were so successful in 2014. Well, here's right? the thing. They just take L after L. Yeah. They like, were why being would you want to told, not listen they to those was, guys? I mean, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. No one was like they're after the fact. Uh, I think he's he's probably actually specifically referring to, I think, the Jacobin article, which was written about by a lot of the people involved in this organizing effort yep. with Cassidy, who that and Cassidy 
consulted on that article as well. And that refers to their idea of what a different winning strategy would be part of the sort of larger Bernie post mortem. Mm -hmm. And he, I think probably knows that those are the people who were involved. He's clearly has done the background reporting on this. And he, that's what he's referring to, like having read this like well, idea of like, you know, tea. we want this to be this, you know, ground game thing. Yeah, I think that Ben pitched this story to Ryan. But like he didn't take it, quote, you know what I mean? Yeah. So um, when you yeah, when you, when yeah, you yeah, say yeah. he's been sitting on it, like he probably has been sitting on it. But like also talking to like management and getting their side and like. Yeah, it's just it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. yep. When it and it's worth pointing out. I mean, when you say talking to management, I mean, his whole argument is, I mean, if you were to replace Bernie campaign with Amazon, this is the same rule book, union busting rule book that always gets. He literally used. said. Yeah, he exactly, said th- the, he runs down. He said, "Thank God, middle management came in and union busted. They saved the day." Yep. Like that's literally yep. what he's saying. But he throws in the yep. word "organize." He throws in the word "organize," so that makes it okay. Like they organized. Yep. The state's regional field directors were also part of the union, and so they knew about the brewing uprising. They got organized too and came to the call prepared with all of the arguments against a work stoppage and against a public statement denouncing the campaign. He, <laughs> oh my God, that, yeah, no, that's literally. They were organizing, well, management organized too. He literally goes down the same playbook used by Brunt and Quark to thwart the efforts of Rom and the Restaurant Guild of Deep Space Nine or something. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, well. he, he says, you know, he begins with, you know, the workers are lazy, unlike management. The workers <laughs> want too much money. They they want these they want these Cadillac. Do you remember when Obama used to say this about the teachers union? They want these Cadillac contracts and these Cadillac benefits and all this kind of. Unlike you, hardworking American, that? you know. Oh my god! Obama did. That was what he used to say about the teachers yeah. union. But but the Jesus. thing is, what like. You know, it's all the same stuff of like, you know, essentially trying to pitch it to your audience. Like, can you believe all these rich fat cat campaign workers <laughs> just trying to sneak one by? You know, luckily our sharp eyed DC uh, fucking like uh, freaks that come out of these various advertising agencies and stuff. Luckily, they were able to catch it and stop it. Right. Uh, and and able to save the Bernie campaign, which is why he's president okay. now. But I think it's it's all the same stuff. And he even says this one point, which is worth bringing up, which is that he says like he's like, oh, you know, these campaign workers, they're going to organize themselves right out of a job. <laughs> and I shit you not, that's literally what they said about all the Amazon workers that were organizing. That's what they say about every non-union shop that organizes. I've been in shops next to shops that have unionized, where we get the full anti-union mm-hmm, treatment, mm-hmm. and we always get told that. You're going to work yourself right out of a job. Yep. We're going to fucking leave. Yep. And then you won't have anything. And then then what, what you'll, you know, then how you feel. Then what do you look like, right? And it's it's literally just that. I mean, it really is. It's fucking disgusting. It's really gross. So like I said, there is, there are people in the wake of the Diane Morales thing. And who knows, maybe if you could be convinced by this management speak bullshit from Ryan Grimm, there are people coming from, I think, a good place position on the left who are asking the question like, should we be like demanding things on these campaigns? If we're going to run these like left wing shots, like, you know, should workers be ready to sacrifice? And I think we've made the case that like, we're not talking about again, make getting like Cadillac benefits. We're here just talking about 
getting fucking minimum wage yeah. and like respect and like <laughs> ability to redress like and on like in the case of the Diane Mara Alice campaign, like a lot of like abuse that and bad things that were just not addressed by the campaign or the candidate after repeated requests. And so but like what is the positive pitch you make to people who are coming from this point on the left that is like I think it's easy to say well like all workers should fucking have a have a union should have fucking good pay should be able to take care of themselves like that's a very there's an obvious like pro labor angle but there's people on the left asking the question is should we be making an exception for these left wing campaigns and I mean what do we say to that Cassidy Yeah I mean I say to that, like, I mean, if you want to pay people below minimum wage and overwork them and underpay them and, like, put young organizers in toxic environments where they are taught that it's okay, like, that they not, – not only that it's okay, but they should just deal with it, um, that they should deal with workplace abuse, that they should deal with this toxicity. Like, if you think that's okay, like, I don't really know what to say to that um, because, like – what we need to be fighting for is a movement and these electeds, these candidates, like they are just a fucking extension of that. And so if they can't do the fucking bare minimum for their own campaign workers. And I mean, again, we're talking about these campaigns like Diana Morales, who had $2 million in the bank, Bernie Sanders, who had literally tens of millions of dollars in the bank. Um, I just, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, why why wouldn't you want these workers to be treated with dignity and respect and be paid literally the minimum wage? Like, yeah. 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 But I mean, yeah. I will say there one thing that Ryan did bring up, and there's been a lot of discourse about this as well. And I think like this is a this is a point that like in good faith people have brought about the Diana Morales campaign is like you know, they're trying to organize four weeks beforehand. If you're just unionizing like individual campaigns that are literally only going to cover staff for two or three months at a time, like, is that really organizing or is that more of like a PR stunt? And like, that is something that is a fucking huge problem with campaigns and unionizing. And so that's what, what's the solution? So that the solution is IUPAT 116, obviously. Um, no, but like our, <laughs> yeah. our model. So the model that's been used currently is just that like whoever's unionizing campaigns they unionize one particular campaign this campaign that campaign where the model does need to be that like if you are a campaign worker in this state or this region there is a bare fucking minimum that it doesn't matter who the candidate is they have to adhere to that there's a union to protect you it's not about who's the most progress because the thing that's happening now is these candidates like bernie sanders like Diane Morales, I mean, local candidates here, they use unionizing as a PR stunt. Um, and what it needs to be is that no matter how progressive or not progressive your campaign is, you know, who, no matter who your boss is, like it needs to be an industry-wide change um, because this is happening on every campaign. It's just the difference is that like these progressive young workers who are activists, who are socialists, who are organizers, like we're not going to get fucked over by our bosses. Like if we're going to be, you know, falling into this electoralism bullshit like we expect our fucking candidates and our bosses mm -hmm. to at least fucking walk the walk 
And that's what, like when you go back to the Diane thing and, and her platform, it's just like if you're going to fucking co-opt language like that, the least you can do is pay your workers. <laughs> like, that's it. Yeah. Well, I guess that's it at the end of the day is like any any successful left electoral movement, if that's even possible, that's going to put people maybe on a local level in office from the left is going to by its nature if it's actually if it's something you would actually want if it's going to get you know build power in a way that you would actually want to it's going to look different than the traditional model of the parties that and the way they've run campaigns in this country like it just is like yeah. it's going to be it's going to it's going to be boots on the ground it's going to be fucking lots of it's going to take lots of people it's going to take expertise to do that and you're just going to have to pay Again, but we're just again we're talking about something we haven't even mentioned is the fact that the fifty people in Iowa making you know less than fifteen dollars an hour were the people themselves managing the thousands of volunteers who were doing free labor for the Mm -hmm. campaign, and it's like like that perspective is never put in. It's like thousands of people coming across the country to do this for fucking free. And you can't pay the handful of people you've got working training with them, their life for months like, at a time. Yeah, doing all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Who are you're building expertise, who you're building mm-hmm. a system. You can't pay that like to make this thing work, to put someone in office. It's a major undertaking. You're going to have to pay people to survive and you're gonna have to like like treat them with dignity. Like that's just going to yeah. have to be the case. I'm, yeah. you know, what they, I th- like they don't have to do this. Haven't had to do this historically in the Republican and democratic party because they haven't been these mass movement operations because yeah. all they've had to rely on is the fact that there's only two parties. There's only two bad choices and they just out ad spend each other. And it's like the left is not going to get anywhere like that. It doesn't have the pack money and the fucking billionaire pockets to do, to wage that kind of war. And it's not the war you would want to fight. It's not how you'd want to win. So yeah, like it's not going to look like that. So you're going to have to fucking pay people. Yeah. Well, I think too, you know, uh, yeah, it's worth mentioning. Yeah, that we're talking very small amounts of money that these people have. I think that's that's the, one yes. of the clear things. Yes, and I think it's important too because there has been. Yeah, when you hear people on the left who are maybe being you know honest or whatever, criticizing campaign workers for organizing, you should really ask yourself: Are they saying that from any actual experience or from just some bullshit they've heard? Yeah. Right. Yeah, and. And, and that's important because this thing we keep talking about, this Ryan Grimm thing, to keep bringing up because it's really important, is the narrative is being shaped in a way that is completely from the boss's perspective and not from the worker's perspective. And I get what some honest people on the left are saying when they say, like, look, you know, for a left project, you're going to have to make sacrifices or whatever. And I totally get that. Uh, these aren't left projects. I'm no. sorry. Diane Morales running people in the Democratic Party is not Mal leading the long march. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. It, it's just not. No, and like they need to the, pay. They have the money. They should pay. Well, and the framing needs to be shifted that like if these candidates are going to jump into these left mm-hmm. projects, if that's what they want it to yes. be, like then they are going to need to make sacrifices, which means yes. treating your fucking campaign workers with dignity and respect, paying them a certain wage, like all that sort of stuff. And like I just, I really need people to shift their thinking from like, why, you know, why are the Diane Morales campaign staff, why are they doing this four weeks before the campaign? Or why did the Bernie staff do this during GOTV? And ask yourself why these candidates and management 
put the fucking campaign in a place where they would be the, like in in a risk of their staff going to media. Could have made it go away. It could have made, it, made go it go away, away for earlier. so little money. But the thing is, is they would rather say fuck you to workers than yeah. do what they're asking. Yeah, look, that's it. With all these people, all those people in the Bernie campaign have a general look. They come up in the Democratic Party. They're in in like the management logic is in their blood. And for a lot of them, it was a fucking bank robbery. Yeah. Okay. At yep. the end of the day, they got to, mm-hmm. they, there were probably people in that campaign working from day one to cut out the field organizing and put all the money in the ad buys that they get. Absolutely. A cut of, you know, yeah. And to hire their consulting firms for more money. Yeah. Like, like that, that's what it is at the end of the day. This whole thing is bullshit. When someone is talking to you, even from a fucking, uh, good faith place on the left. Not saying that is what Ryan Grimm was doing <laughs> here, uh, but certainly when someone's coming at you with management union busting language and trying to make a left case for it, um, you, you can tell them to fuck off. Yeah, yeah. If there was ever a case, that's I guess that's what I'm getting at. Like, I have sympathy for the people who the question crosses their mind, going like, "Yeah, but the Bernie campaign, or like some left mayor of New York, some real socialist running for mayor, did." Does union organizing jeopardize that? If that mo- thought crosses your mind, I get it. Just don't think it twice. Yeah. It's fucking yeah. stupid. And don't yeah. listen to the people trying to push this bullshit. Well, on one side of the argument, we have the salt of the earth consultancy firms and advertising <laughs> firms right. and the D triple C and stuff all based the on these sons C. of toil, uh, the sons of toil. On the other side of the argument, we have fat cats like the painters union (laughs) and things like that backing the campaign so just ask yourself this who do you think is actually on the side of the working class the fucking painters union who's backing campaign staffers organizing or fucking you know dc consultancy firms and ryan no and like or like uh, or like some ground beef that was stuffed in a white latex glove (laughs) and with a face and glasses drawn on it uh, and some pubes glued to the top. Yeah. I mean, whose side are no, you but on? It's an important distinction to make, which is that like, um, you know, I mean, so if we're talking about like an Eastern Washington candidate who like they're not making a bunch of money and like, you know, there is a discussion to be yeah. had about how like the Democratic Party needs to fund those races better. It's hard for them to get good staff, that sort of thing. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking like Dan Morales had two mm-hmm. million dollars in fucking tax payer like because they have a matching program in new york so it was eight times matched by taxpayer funds um and so the question is would you rather have those dollars go to consultants or would you rather have them go to fucking working uh campaign people who are like actually making the campaign run and like talking to people and it's just you know if you think that it should go to consultants instead then i guess then yeah. yeah, like unionizing is bad. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I just, I think that's stupid. Like we have seen time and time again that these consultants, like they do not actually win us races. They fuck us over more than anything. And so, yeah, yeah. we shouldn't be surprised that like as more unionizing happens and like, you know, the Diane Morales stuff, it is messy. And so they are going to use that example is why unionizing is just bad altogether. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Um, any closing thoughts on this? Uh, my closing thought is just like, this is literally all based off fucking what ifs. We did not go to the fucking media. Like this is all based on like we, because we discussed tactics and a tactic that we discussed 
was telling like uh, management, like, hey, if you don't do this, we're going to go to media. Like, and we voted on it and the workers decided not to do that because that's how unions work. Like you discuss things, you vote on them. It's democratically decided. Um, so, yeah, this is all he's basically telling us we're bad because we didn't do what. Yeah, it's just it's because you just didn't <laughs> lick the campaign. Yeah. 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 OK. This so to just just so that's you know we I think we've covered everything here but it, what the last thing to talk about is like because we watched this whole clip the rising clip from the hill it's with, like fourteen minutes this is I guess long the first segment. episode just, right am I uh, yeah first it, episode. yeah it's his Maybe inaugural it's a, episode and yes. his co-host is the conservative right because they're doing this Hannity yes. and Combs uh, crossfire like. And he is, for some reason, a good, again, I don't understand why he is doing this on any level, but he's clearly like trying to really do it in good faith. Like he seems like there's something valuable. He, or maybe even I'm being generous, his viewers are going to get out of this. And he pitches to his uh, conservative, uh, basically like straight out of like, like dialed down, like Fox News in that she's like, you know, a blonde, younger blonde, yeah. but like dialed down <laughs> in that she doesn't have the big hair, you know, yeah. or like the loud shirt or suit rather. And is like, so, you know, uh, you heard all the dumb shit I just said about unionizing on these these far left campaigns. Like, how does this work in uh, on the conservative side as if like we're going to get some fucking enlightening dialogue where two the two, <laughs> you know, poles of American politics, like bring their minds together and fucking absurd idea from the beginning i've never this is the first clip i've ever seen of rising which i gather i i was sort of vaguely aware there were previous hosts who were on it that also Crystal did Ball, this she's like a she's a pretty big deal on like the left mm-hmm. in the left community and oh, yeah. she just left which like i think it's because the hill sucks sort of thing you know so yeah, ryan well, grimm ryan grimm basically took over as the left absolutely no yeah. credit for no, doing this no. show for me yeah. like i don't i whatever great but, credit for having a good name though sure but he turns <laughs> to her and the conservative co-host just like opens up like it's like she opened her mouth and bees came out because like <laughs> it was just it's literally like five minutes of absolute complete it, and utter gibberish like it was, first of all clearly it was like, Billy Madison answering the question oh of the industrial revolution God. <laughs> it was amazing yes it was exactly it was like everyone is now dumber for having heard this Emily I'm curious because a lot of this is socio-cultural mm-hmm. and so it, there may be particular reasons this happening on the progressive left in campaigns but do you see any of it in right-wing organizations or campaigns Yeah, there's been something similar, I think, that has happened on the right for years, and it's that you have some of these more, I would say, like centrist Republicans that try to glom on to populist movements, the Tea Party or what have you, and then sort of come in and LARP in their own way as, you know, real conservatives, Reagan conservatives, um, and actually all they care about is low taxes, and they actually have contempt for a lot of people that they work with. I think that's sort of just the way our politics is structured. Because first of all, she doesn't, like, he she doesn't really answer the question she like takes it and spins it like on this very confident way that he doesn't have of doing like tv bullshit where you Mm -hmm. just i'm just saying something it doesn't have to connect to anything i'm just like loosely taking you and going off on this complete fucking tangent that was total gibberish like absolute 
unintelligible Pablo. Well, but to be fair, the question he asked didn't really make sense either. Well, so it was very funny because she, her, the Pablo, the best he could get out of the Pablo was that she was like, uh, yeah, activists get in campaigns and Bernie lost because all the people organizing just told him to say Latinx a lot. When some of these activists who join campaigns, you know, they hear Bernie Sanders say it's it's not about us. It's about them. Um, they think that they really do represent them. They think that them going out there and, and saying Latinx is really like representing people. And that's what people want. And that was apparently the main organizing uh, goal. That's what that was, the those, union that's what you were organizing Latinx, for, right? You were right? demanding that more the X be dropped into more uh, words in the yeah. uh, in campaign <laughs> meetings. Right. <laughs> and so. I mean, one, hilariously, completely inverting, like, the consultancy class and the... But whatever, it doesn't matter. The funny part is when he then clarifies the question to her... Really, this was his first question that she just bulldozed past, but he's still (laughs) having gotten a torrent of fucking nonsense. (laughs) He goes back to the fucking well. And he asks her, and it's so fucking funny. He looks at her and he goes, no, no, like... um." You know, on far right campaigns or Republican campaigns, what happens when the campaign workers try and form a union? And she just looks up and starts laughing. It's one of the funniest (laughs) things. It's like, Ryan, that's the side you're on. Ding, 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 ding. (laughs) Yep. That's where you find yourself, sir. I mean, what a fucking like. Sad. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Again, I mean, I, this, I mean, not looking across the table and being like, this is what my life has led me to. I should make changes. I don't get it. What is he doing there? Like, why? Like, again, like this is he's the wrong kind of idiot for this job because he's like he he's smart enough to know that that was a stupid question. But it's all he could think to prep to, like, yeah. do this, like, bullshit back and forth list. Good natured. Like we talk about it from both perspectives, but with smiles on our face. Bullshit. Uh and like that's the thing you can come up with when it's like, yeah, you're, you've just identified you're on the side. What you've just been talking about, like, yeah, she completely agrees with. Congratulations. Yeah, that's right wing bullshit. I forgot. <laughs> Union busting is right wing bullshit. I forgot. Ugh, oh, man. What a fucking moron. And she she had something choice to say about you, too. Cassidy, right? <laughs> Yeah, she said that these people aren't real socialists. Um, so I'm oh, because glad- the real socialist is Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> and that's real social justice. And what's so interesting to me is that really this is these people in, in so many ways are not socialists. They do not want democratic socialism because it wouldn't be good for them. They're just cultural radicals that don't realize they're part of the neoliberal co-optation of cultural leftism. <laughs> the real socialists are the management that union busted. I guess. Imagine, so. imagine, <laughs> like what? Imagine Fucking yourself, brain worms, dude. Putting yeah. yourself in a room in public to hear that from that person, to even <laughs> accept that into your. Fucking ears from some fucking Republican scumbag to he just to even to put yourself in that fuck you, dude. Yeah, like never. You will never find <laughs> me good naturedly fucking having a chummy discussion in public with a fucking Republican. Fuck off. What a fucking tool. What a fucking idiot. Yeah. And so like, yeah, it, I know that when you guys watch this, it it brought you some emotion. And so, yeah, just like 
We were screaming at each other. I mean, yeah, my blood pressure has just been through the roof all day. Um, and with this 100 degree heat, like I might die. So thanks, Ryan. <laughs> a minute. You've been saying all, all week that you love the 100 degree heat. No, I, I do. I do. But I'm just saying that like with the with the anxiety, it's just it's a little bit a lot. Uh, you know? Oh, you need to be chilled when yeah. you're hot. Well, right. and yeah. this this episode's probably gonna be a slightly more intense episode than normal, and it is because I think we all like just watched this clip yeah. <laughs> and enraged, just absolutely fucking yeah. furious. If Ryan Grimm was here, he'd be hanging from like from his underwear, basically yeah. just wedgy to the ceiling. Like, oh, unbelievable. God, that is the natural state of that man. <laughs> okay, all right, that's that's been the show, everybody. We got some, yeah, we got some plugs or announcements or something. Okay, so if you haven't already, check out the newly liberated first like scoop on the uh, organizing within the Iowa Bernie campaign. That's uh, the episode is called Cassie went down to Iowa. Link will be in the notes. Link will be here. We'll pay. We'll we'll put it up around. Uh, it's if it's you, free. There's more good content like this on the Patreon every week. Definitely listen to that episode. It's very good. Yeah, it's it's the, 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 the first oral history of what happened on the Bernie campaign in Iowa. The real we exclusive, had yeah. 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 Um. So check that like, out. Literally, can you, can you believe that Ryan Grimm is like clout chasing and building his brand off of fucking my union story? Wow. Like, yeah. <laughs> I hate to see it. <laughs> Saying that I'm trying to brand build. I hate it. <laughs> we also have uh if you want to hear um about more people like ryan Grimm, we also have our continuing series a song of philanthropy and pedophilia uh all about bill gates <laughs> okay that's, his, that might be a little I'm, just, I'm joking no, he's not that bad I, but anyways. i'm gonna look up his birth chart though I'll, he's got some scorpio aries in there but I, I don't think Ryan Grimm is a philanthropist. <laughs> but yeah, Song of Philanthropy and Pedophilia, it is a collection of our best Gates takes over the last few years to really catch you up on the whole Gates saga. This last week, we released Volume 2, The Bill Gates Buying Guide. This week is Volume 3, Thus Spoke Melinda. Melinda is going to enter the conversation with her wonderful New York Times uh, interview and uh, feature. Dun, 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 <laughs> dun, dun. And also this week on Friday, I strongly suggest you check out Jason Rigdon's podcast, the Ooh. podcast of mystery of which I will be on. I love Jason talking That's about awesome. the cosmic war. He rocks. And the podcast of mystery, people have not been listening to it, rocks. It is all about aliens, Bigfoot, all sorts of weird shit. And uh, like I said, I'll be on there talking about the Cosmic War and about how the Pyramid of Giza is actually a Death Star designed to blow up the fifth planet in the solar system. Uh, you know they just discovered using radar like new chambers above the ones that people have been in. That's the laser chamber. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Really important stuff. I mean, we've been talking about kind of like some surface level history in this show today. This is real deep history. Damn. All right. So, awesome. so check it out. Podcast of Mystery. That sounds awesome. I'm going to check that out for sure. Definitely. Again, I want to re reiterate, check out the uh, check out the song of philanthropy and pedophiles, because um, if you're skipping over it because it's like it looks like weird bonus canned content. These are short. They're clipped like just the 
the meat out of some uh, past episodes where we talked about Bill Gates and like uh, it's the it's the raw white, you know, like it's it's the good shit, like catch you up like on all of our past coverage of Bill Gates uh, and the whole saga. So, uh, you know, because everybody else been sleeping on him for 20 years. Yeah. If you were following (laughs) us from the beginning, you already knew he was a pedophile and you already knew the Gates Foundation is the font of most evil. I've literally been listening to them to just like remind myself of all these stories we've done. So if you've heard them before, they're just they're short. They're clipped. Each one of these has like two or three little clips to listen to. So they're like, you know, under a half hour long. They're basically like, hey, I told you so. So. Yeah. yeah, our favorite type mm-hmm, of content. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah. we've reached that phase of the podcast. Astrology update: Ryan Grimm is an Aries. I knew it. So it all makes sense. Garbage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Explain uh, yourself, sir. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Well, thank you, everybody. Uh. Check us out on Patreon. And uh. You know, thank you for bringing this story to our attention, Cassidy. And um, we'll see everybody uh, next time. There you go. Bye bye. Nicely done.